We'll be reading our scripture this morning from Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 24 in the NIV version. And the, the Bible's in front of you. It's on page 1228, if you would like to use that translation. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. God bless his holy word. Well, welcome back. This is our, our final installment of the Walking in the Way series. And we've been talking throughout this series about this letter that Paul wrote to a church in the city of Ephesus to a people who identified themselves in that very first generation of Christians as followers of the way. What way? Well, the Jesus way, right? And we believe, as did they, that, that when you sign up to follow Jesus, you sign up to live in a certain way. And it's the way that Jesus taught us to live, and it's the way that Jesus modeled for us to live. Because he didn't teach us or ask us to do anything that he himself wasn't willing to to do and didn't already do. And so, uh, when we've looked at, at the, the way, we've talked about you know, walking in humility, walking in love, walking as worthy, walking in wisdom. And Jesus did all these things. And, and in this letter to the church in Ephesus, Paul touches on all these main, major themes of, Je of the Jesus way. And he wants this church this new, of new believers in Ephesus to come to re realize and recognize what it means, what it looks like 
to walk in the way. What it meant for them to sign up to follow Jesus. And so, you know, fast forward 2,000 years and come over here 6,000 miles from modern day Turkey where the city of Ephesus was. And the question for us is, if we signed up to be Jesus followers, are we walking in the way? Because we ought to be ordinary people living in an extraordinary way. Are we? Does the way we live stand out so differently from the world around us? And so I hope that, you know, if you've been here for a few of these messages, that that you're beginning to get the feeling that, wow, if I were to walk in this way, truly to follow Jesus in each of these ways, I really would be living an extraordinarily different sort of life than the world around me. And, And so if you missed any of them, go back and listen online, because each of these makes up a significant portion of what it means to walk in the way, in the Jesus way. And today we wrap it up with one more thing. And as we've said, Paul, when he teaches about these things, he didn't pull these out of thin air. These were the core parts of Jesus' life and ministry and teachings. And and this last one is no exception. We can't just talk about Jesus' life without talking about walking in power. Because when you look at Jesus, one of the things that stands out about him, right, is the power and authority that he just assumed it seemed like I mean he just lived as though he had it you know some people go around talking about how they're big stuff Jesus didn't talk about it he just did it you know and and not the way that people expected they expected you know the Messiah to come with a sword and an army and that kind of power but Jesus just had this usually quiet confidence about him And, and he spoke in ways and said things that no one else in their right mind said he just spoke it with confidence. And the people who, who saw that he resurrected and saw and witnessed all those things that he did, they came to believe that he had a power that no other human being had ever had. Of course, we're familiar with, you know, if you've been in church at, at all, you know Jesus did miracles, right? And, and so that he had authority and power over physical illnesses. But we also know that he had power and authority over just the physical elements in the world. You know, just like things like wind and rain and things that, you know, he could just speak. And the sound of his voice was enough to alter things in the physical world. To speak and and raise a young girl back to life. Or a young man. It's just not normal, right? And the one that perhaps sets us on edge the most in our day and time is this thing where he would walk up to people who were demon-possessed, which is not something most of us are familiar with in the room. And he would, sometimes before he could even get a word out, they'd be saying, what do you want with us, son of God? And he'd just speak with authority and cast them out as he wanted. And this was strange to them because they had exorcists in their day. But these people never just spoke as if it was on their own authority that they were casting out demons. It's by another power, by God's power or whatever. But Jesus just said, get out. <laughs> he, didn't, he had the authority. And the thing is, not only did Jesus walk, you could say, oh, well, that's Jesus. You know, and he's, you know, he, of course he's got power and stuff, but that doesn't mean I need to walk in power. And yet Jesus kept on passing power to his disciples. 
and saying, you go do these things in my name. You go. Even during his earthly ministry, he sent his disciples out in pairs of two and told them to do all those same things that he had been doing. And we read in the Acts of the Apostles that after Jesus left and sent the Holy Spirit, that his apostles went on doing many of the things that announced the kingdom, just as Jesus had. But he promised us when he left, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so therefore you go and make disciples. And we are promised power to live this life in which he, to which he's called us to live. You are not promised the power to go out and, and uh, do crazy miracles, but you are promised the power to live a supernaturally different life than the world around us. You are promised power to deal with the things that this life is going to throw with you. You are promised power to be able to overcome things in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, overcoming things may not always mean that they just go away, right? But we are promised great power. And it's something that we ignore a lot of times. And we are also promised that the reason we need this power is because there are powers at work against us in the world. And this is not something we like to talk about much in our world today or to think about much in our world today. In fact, you could say that uh, you know, in the past, Satan has worked in a lot of different ways. But in today's day, and in our culture, perhaps... Perhaps it's that he wants us to forget that there's any sort of spiritual battle or warfare going on at all. To think that everything is just physical. That's one of the lies of our culture and of our time. People, especially in the world of science, they, they think that if they can observe something in the physical realm taking place, then that automatically removes any sort of spiritual involvement. Uh, for instance, you know, if they can prove and, and see that, you know, that the world is evolving, then that removes a creator. If, if they can see cells healing in, under a microscope, then that rules out a healer. And I don't know how they get these conclusions, but they certainly aren't operating off of a Christian worldview. Because a Christian worldview has never separated the physical from the spiritual. In fact, if you look back through even Old Testament times, you know, people's spiritual crimes, their sins, had physical consequences. God expected physical sacrifice and bloodshed for spiritual crimes against God. And that ultimately culminated in Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our spiritual crimes. We don't have any sort of problem with spiritual things causing physical things or physical things affecting spiritual things. That's the nature of it. It was Greek philosophers like Plato that started saying, you know, it's called dualism, but that the thought or spiritual things are separate from the physical things. And that these things are good and these things are bad or whatever. And that's taken on ever since then. You know, it's gone in all sorts of different directions. And in our society, we tend to think that, you know, it's preached to us. That if something is observable physically, 
then it has no spiritual cause. If we can identify that there's, well, you know, in a, in a psychologist's office that there's depression going on, well, then that's strictly a chemical thing in your brain, and that's all it is, and there's no spiritual cause behind it. But just because something can be observed in the brain does not rule out a spiritual cause or factor in some way, shape, or form, at least not for the Christian who believes that the spiritual things in life and the physical things in life are linked together. Just like our love for one another is linked to our love for God. There's a thousand ways in which this takes place. But we do ourselves a great disservice when we pretend or live as though there is no spiritual battle taking place. This would be almost as if, this maybe is a poor illustration, but as if when the Twin Towers took place and the, the, the planes hit those towers, if, if all of us had just said, there is no terrorism, that was just a fluke thing, you know, a couple of pilots and the computer malfunction, and, uh, you know, there's no terrorism. And, and then things just kept on happening. And we said, oh, no, no, there's no, ter- there's no need to take action or security precautions. These are just flukes. You know, if we all denied the existence of an evil like terrorism, then we wouldn't do anything to protect ourselves from it. Why would we? And in a similar way, if we deny or live as though we deny the existence of a spiritual enemy then we don't prepare against it. We don't prepare to stand firm against it. Why would we? Everything's just physical. There's nothing going on like that. That's what people used to think back in an uncivilized day. But we know better. We have microscopes and telescopes that tell us it's all just physical and chemicals. But if we look at the world around us, surely we must see that the kinds of evil that take place every day in our hearts, in our lives, in our families, in our communities, across the world. I mean, you don't have a multi-billion dollar human trafficking issue involving millions of people being sold into slavery, usually for sexual stuff, if there's not some kind of evil pervasively in the world. That doesn't just happen because of chemicals and cells. We don't have children who are suicidal at a very early age just because there's physical things at work. Surely we can look at the world around us and say that there's something more going on than just what meets the eye. That's what Christians have always believed at least. And so we can't live as though that's not happening. There's too much at stake. Our own spiritual welfare is at stake, if nothing else. And so let's talk today about what it means to walk in power. The Apostle Paul said, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. He said, put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle 
See, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in, in the heavenly realms. Heaven in Scripture is not just this place way up there somewhere. It's like another dimension, a spiritual dimension. It's the dimension in which God lives, in which other spirits live that aren't on God's side. It's the place where angels live. It's the place where Christ resides at the right hand of God. It's the place where those who have died in Christ reside with Christ. It's that place we don't see it with our eyes. But isn't too far away either. For we know that God is with us, don't we? And we also know that there are powers of evil at work in this world. That is what we believe. And so Paul says, Be strong in the Lord's mighty power. Why? Because there is a spiritual battle that is taking place. There's no sense in denying it. So just right off the bat, our our main point today, the main thing we need to wrap our minds around is that until we recognize our spiritual battle, we'll never stand firm with spiritual power. What use would we have for it if we don't believe that there is something else going on? Now I recognize, and I'll just say up front, that there are also, as well as those who deny the existence or live as though there isn't a spiritual battle in our world, there are also those who go overboard in the other direction. And, and everything is caused by the devil, right? Got a speeding ticket. Devil did it. It wouldn't be the fact that I was speeding. <laughs> it would be the devil that did this to me, uh, right? Or, or sometimes just attributing too much power to Satan as though he were the polar opposite of God. That God is the, this power of good and Satan is this power of evil. But Satan is not on the same plane as God. So don't ever give him that kind of credit. But there is, there's a reason he's called the prince, right? Not the king. So keep that in mind. But he's the prince of darkness and he is at work in this world and he works in different ways in different parts of the world. And our part of the world, maybe part of it is just pulling the wool over our eyes and helping us to pretend that there's, he's not up to anything at all. But we must recognize that we have a spiritual battle to fight so that we can stand firm with spiritual power. And that's exactly what Paul says we need to do is stand firm. In fact, over and over again, at least three times in this short little passage, he uses the same term that means stand firm, hold your ground. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Stand firm is what that means. And after everything, to stand firm. Stand firm. And see, they didn't write stand firm every time, even though that's what it means, because that would get pretty redundant. But that was the point he was trying to get across. Stand firm, stand firm, stand firm in this battle that we face. And the good news is, that we are not left without tools and resources or without power to walk in, to stand firm. And so famously, Paul gives us the armor of God, describes it for us. It's God who gives it, not Paul, just to clarify. There's the belt of truth. 
buckled around your waist. The belt of truth. Sometimes it's good just to remember that what we believe is true. That what we believe is true. That these are things that actually happen, actually took place. That Jesus is a real human being from history who lived and walked and had authority in these ways who not only died on the cross but rose from the dead. These are things we have good evidence for. These are things that we believe actually happen. These are not ideas or myths or symbolic truths of that kind. These are the truth that we cling to. It gives us confidence. There's the breastplate of righteousness. Sometimes we need that. Sometimes the arrows of, the sa- of Satan strike close to the heart. Sometimes they are that voice saying, you're not good enough. Look at what you've done. Look at what you've done just today. You think you're saved? They strike to your very heart. The breastplate of righteousness comes from Christ and His righteousness. When we put our faith in Him, He forgives our sins and He becomes our righteousness. Not only does He give us power to live in a new way, but the Scripture teaches us that when God looks at us and we are in Christ, He sees Christ's spotlessness, not our problems and our shortcomings. So we have this breastplate of righteousness in place. We have feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You know, it's hard to move when you have enemies on every side. But the gospel has granted us peace, primarily with God, right? We were once enemies of God. But in Christ now, through the gospel, we are at peace with God. And the gospel also has the power to reconcile relationships with our fellow man. We're not truly at war with anyone in this world. Our our real battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's not against all the sides that our world likes to, you know, our, our world likes to pick sides and line up against each other and Democrat versus Republican and all that kind of stuff. You know, this nation versus that nation. Our feet are shod with the gospel of peace. And we're able to move quickly against our enemy because we know who our enemy is. And we're at peace on every side so that we can face him squarely on. We're given a shield of faith with which we can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. We face temptations. We face afflictions of different kinds, grief, depression, just to name a few. Be strong in your faith. Stand firm with faith. Keep your faith, even in the darkest hour, and you'll be able to extinguish those arrows. Finally, there's 
there's the sense of security that comes from knowing that your head is protected by salvation. That when you've placed your faith in Christ and are following Him, nobody can pluck you out of His hand, it says in other places in Scripture. Nothing in this world or any other world has the power to separate you from the love of Christ. So you have this helmet of salvation. And that's all defensive stuff. And I would just mention that there's none of that that does any good if you're in retreat. <laughs> if you're turned around, there's no back plate. You know, there's, so uh, this, is, this is meant for uh, moving forward and standing firm. And, and let's talk about offense for a second. We're told we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we use that term, Word of God, to include everything in, in our Scriptures, everything in the Bible. We don't know for sure what they meant by it then. Most of the time when they said Word, when they used terms like the Word or the message, they were talking about specifically their Gospel message. And when they talked about what's in our Old Testament, they talked about Scriptures, the Scriptures. But either way, if we store God's Word in our hearts, if we trust His Holy Spirit to bring it to life in us, then that Word is a powerful thing. The word of the gospel on your lips is a powerful tool. Just speaking the truth of God is a powerful weapon in the midst of a battle. So not only do we have the word of God and the Holy Spirit to fight with, but then Paul just kind of leaves that whole metaphor of the armor of God behind and just seems to say oh and here's one more thing you got prayer he follows that up by just saying and pray in the spirit pray 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 in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind be alert and always keep praying for all the Lord's people And pray also for me, he said, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Pray. 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 What's funny to me is that a lot of us who, you know, we deny or live as though we deny the existence of a spiritual battle taking place in our lives, we have no problem with prayer. Even people who aren't Christians, you know, they pray. Most people pray. The vast majority of people pray to something, to God, even if they're not sure what they believe. Sometimes they pray. And yet they might deny that there's any kind of spiritual battle going on or or live as though it's not. But what do you think praying is? Have you ever stopped and thought about what you're doing? I mean, if there's nothing spiritual going on, then you are a lunatic. (laughs) You're crazy. You're talking to something, to someone, that you can't see with your eyes. Sometimes about things that you can't see with your eyes. And you do this anywhere. You do it in the car. You do it on a plane. You could go to outer space and pray. 
And we believe that someone hears us. Not only that he hears us, but that he has the power to do something in response to our prayers. Prayer is by definition a supernatural activity. (laughs) We are praying to something, someone spiritual and we are expecting him to act in some way in our world with power that we don't ourselves possess. Isn't that by definition what prayer is? And so no wonder Paul says in this conversation about, hey, be aware that there are spiritual things going on and our real battle is not against flesh and blood, but against all these forces in the world around us and in the heavenly realms. So pray. If you want to get something done, we've got to pray, right? Because we have access through prayer to a power that none of us holds by our own strength. So this gift of prayer... And this gift of God's Holy Spirit, the gift of God's Word that is more than just words, these are incredible tools in the hand of someone who's recognized that they are in a spiritual battle. To someone who recognizes the need to stand firm in their faith. You know, it's funny. Let me go back to that last slide because we don't look like much, to be honest. I mean, I'm not trying to insult you. (laughs) But most of us, let me just say most of us so you can rule yourself out. Most of us don't look that tough. And I wonder even what the guard thought as he was watching over Paul and maybe Paul was dictating this and he got to that part of, I am an ambassador in chains. You know, that guard probably got a kick out of that. Yeah, some ambassador you are. (laughs) We don't look like much. I mean, you may not be able to bench press a cucumber for all I know. But, but, there's more to us than meets the eye. There's more to us. We are, in fact, the, the strongest of people. And sometimes the weakest of us are the strongest. I I don't know about you, but I've known some sweet little old ladies who were some of the most powerful people I've ever met. Throughout generations gone by, Jesus' people have stood firm against anything the enemy could throw at us. In the early days, he tried throwing us to lions, lighting lighting us on fire, cutting off our heads. Still, we stood firm. In more recent times, he's tried shutting out our message. You know, communist nations tried to Shut down Christianity. Couldn't do it. In fact, some of the fastest growth today in Christianity is taking place in China, where it's one of the least smiled upon places for Christianity. 
Couldn't do it. He's tried to water it down and twist it with false religions or warped versions of, of Christianity, but still we stand firm. And in these most recent days, he's tried to get us to ignore that we have a spiritual battle on our hands at all. And yet, here we are. And if those in our past, our ancestors, could stand firm against what they faced, then so can we, because we have the same access to the same power that they had access to. To the same armor of God, enabling us to stand firm with the truth of gospel around, around our waist, the, the breastplate of Christ's own righteousness defending our hearts, with the shoes of the gospel of peace on our feet, the shield of faith to put out our enemy's arrows, the security of his salvation guarding our heads, and the sword of the gospel message, empowered by the Holy Spirit himself in our hand, and the immeasurable power of prayer on our lips, so we can stand firm, and we can dare the devil to do his worst, knowing that we have the power to stand firm. You may have spent your whole life thinking you're not much. You could never make the grade, could never make the team. Never that impressive. Even now, I can't keep up with the Joneses or whatever. But you have access to a power higher than yourself because you are a child of God. Son of the King, co-heir with Christ. So what are you facing today? What's, what spiritual battle are you facing today? Most of us were facing something. Or we recently faced something, or we're about to face something. <laughs> what spiritual battle are you facing today? And what part of the armor of God do you need to cling to today to stand firm in your faith? I wonder about our church. What, what spiritual battles do we face as a church? Churches face all kinds of spiritual battles. Sometimes they face the, the, the worst kind of all, which is like uh, apathy that creeps in and they just don't do much or they don't care much or they just don't put that much into it. They don't bother with inviting anyone. They don't bother with doing much work around here. They don't bother with ministries or starting new things or being, you know, evaluating old things to see if they're still effective. They just kind of coast. And that's a... I mean, the devil would like nothing better than to see the church just coasting until they die. Of course, other things happen. Tragedy after tragedy. I've seen, I'm familiar with one church that, man, they would get things going on fire for Christ, people being saved, and then some kind of craziness, a, a big... Uh, you know, like the, the youth pastor gets in huge trouble with, and is on the news and all kinds of stuff, and, and then everything just pff, 
folds and then they work and they work and they work and they get it going again and then the you know the, the finances get all messed up <laughs> and just different things different ways that Satan can attack a church that is trying to do good for his kingdom so what do we face as a church and what weapons are we going to use to fight that spiritual battle do you pray for our church and for our leaders on a regular basis look at our, our community that we live in what kind of spiritual battles do you think are taking place here all around us if you're not sure drive through a different part of town for a change Or just recognize that the nice part of town you're driving through is full of people with a mask on acting like they're good when they're not. All around us there are battles taking place and if we just pretend that they don't exist we'll never stand firm against them. But if we'll recognize that we indeed have this spiritual battle then we can take the armor of God, as Paul said. And we can stand firm. Just as our ancestors in the faith have stood firm. We have armor that protects us. So long as we're not running backwards. And we have weapons at our disposal. Let's use them. If you want a better life, you want this world to be a better place walk in power walk in the way the Jesus way it's a better way it's a powerful way let's pray together Jesus we love you we thank you for not leaving us alone the disciples, your disciples, when you walked this earth, they were worried when you said that you would be leaving them. But you said, don't worry. You said it's good that you were leaving. So that you could send your Holy Spirit, a helper in our time of need. And incredibly, the same power that, wrote, that raised you from the dead, you have made available to us. I don't believe that you would have done that, God, if we don't face spiritual battles. Open our eyes to see what's going on around us. Give us faith and strength to stand firm. In your power, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.